big thanks to Indeed for sponsoring this episode of Past Gas. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Past Gas. Just go to Indeed.com slash Past Gas right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Past Gas. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Big thanks to Fume for sponsoring this episode of Past Gas. Start the year off right with a good habit by going to tryfume.com slash past and getting the journey back today. Fume is giving listeners of the show 10% off when they use my code PAST, P-A-S-T, to help make starting the good habit that much easier. Start the good habit at tryfume.com slash past to save 10% off the journey pack today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. It's 1954. The cool October air breezes through a grove of trees perched atop Gia Hill. All is tranquil upon the scenic hilltop until the silence is cut by the rumbling of an engine. An amateur street racer named Eddie Carvalho charged to the hillside in his Triumph TR2. But this isn't just any race. This is the inaugural race of the Macau Grand Prix. Macau! And what happens here is about to change everything. Beyond its rich history, the event has become a cultural phenomenon, drawing motorsports enthusiasts and fans to the vibrant city of Macau, Macau, to witness the convergence of speed, strategy, and sheer determination on a circuit that combines tradition with cutting-edge automotive technology. But for all of its positive influence, the history of the Macau Grand Prix is fraught with controversy. How did it evolve from an amateur street race into one of the world's most dangerous motorsports events? Why does this Grand Prix attract so many aspiring F1 drivers? And what controversies have left some fans calling for a complete eradication of the event altogether? Today on Pass Gas, we're crashing the entire field and untangling the sordid past of the Macau Grand Prix. Macau! We're crashing the field. Hey, what's up? We're crashing the field today. Crashing the field. We're crashing the field. Thanks for coming to my dad's... Uh, Denny's. Denny's. Thanks for coming to my dad's former sizzler. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to my dad's former sizzler. I'm going to put a capo on 
fourth fret. Do a little finger picking. Where is Macau? It's over China. there in China. Oh, there's mm-hmm. ca- there's casinos there. Cas- uh, Macau so it's like casino. the Monaco of China. It's technically, oh. I think it's like a, a principality, sovereign principality, but it is in China. When I found you, you were working on a Macau casino. Indeed. Yeah. You, but you guys have seen these videos, right? Yeah. No. I feel like, every, okay, so look up Macau Grand Prix crash. I feel like every other year there's a massive crash over there. I think that's maybe the main reason I know of this race. And maybe most of you guys, if you're familiar with the Macau Grand Prix, mm-hmm. this is probably your only exposure to it. Uh, unless you go to those casinos. Unless you're a whale over there at the casino spending big chips. Yeah. Doing big like bets. Like Brendan Fraser. Spending big <laughs> chips like Brendan Fraser? No, like a, he's a whale. He's oh. a whale. That movie was stupid. I didn't see it. <laughs> is that uh is that the guy who directed uh, Mother? Hi. He directed uh Black Swan. That guy. Requiem for a dream. Dude, the whale was like what rich people think normal people are like. <laughs> I, I, I gotta see it. Like what ninety day fiance or like Something like that is a way more realistic depiction of the American lower class than the whale. The whale is like what rich people mm. think like poor people act like. Like, Look at this big fat f- just eating all Do you remember these that pieces. guy? You're watching 90 Day. Have you gotten uh, to the season what? with that guy Colt over there in Vegas? Oh, Colt. I've seen multiple Colt seasons. There's more of him? Yeah. And his mom? Yeah. Oh, Colt's awful. He grows his hair out. Oof. Yeah, he gets a little cocky. I did not like that guy. Right I've now I'm watching Macau Grand Prix crash footage at four times speed. <laughs> <laughs> a crash compilation. It's <laughs> wild. Yeah, these guys are smashing and crashing, yeah. bashing all over the place. My name is Nolan Sykes. Hi. That's James Pumphrey. Give me back my son. And, and don't mind me. I'm just working on my drawings. What? What are you drawing over there? I'm uh, just drafting up this new part. Uh, what? What is that? It's an audio format. I know, but that's <laughs> what gets people to come to YouTube to check us out. Joe's doing his famous radio drawing bit. Is that the <laughs> contraption that you were talking about earlier? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a big nutcracker. Wow. So What is this? I was planning that bit for a long time, and thinking it was really going to hit, and then the it, you guys were just it? more confused than anything. <laughs> Joe, how's the baby coming along? Uh, <laughs> good like 20 weeks now 20 yeah five months okay <laughs> it's been a while it's been so long it's been a while since dude we've, uh, riley was singing that stained song oh my god the other day and i couldn't figure out why is it because tiktok or something maybe probably yeah it's been a while See you. That stained has some really good uh, representation on the uh, divorce court playlist, <laughs> divorce court parking lot playlist that nice. I listen to from time to time. That's a good play. Uh, That's it's, a great. Name it, it's got some it. slappers on it, but stained divorce court parking lot. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, that song. After elementary school one day, my friend Chris Hawthorne, who I've been talking to on Instagram recently, uh, he like we got out of school. And I was going to his house, and he had, like, plans with his mom. Mm-hmm. He was like, all right, let's go. And we went to Target, and he bought the stained oh, out. Nice. Whoa, the that's day a big came out. Nice. He was like, I need this. Been waiting. My version of that was waiting to go to Sam Goody to get 
an Incubus album. Uh-huh. And then being surprised when my mom was like, I can get you two Incubus albums if you want. I was like, what, did we win the lottery? Yeah. Whoa. I was like, why well, are you so being you, so you nice like to me, uh, ladies? My dad did. To get like science? Uh, Which ones did you get? Do you remember? Morning View? Pardon me Morning while was, I burst. They, one of them, that was the one I wanted to get. But it was earlier. Make Yourself. Make Yourself. That's a great album. A Dude, Science is good too, but Make Yourself would be, is yeah. super the most good. Make about Yourself you was like great. Yeah. Yeah. Different shade of green. With the territory. So much differently. You didn't know, you know more of that song I that than that I thought. Song. I was that about to say, I bet I know more of that song <laughs> than you think. <laughs> the rapping was a, could use a little work, but. I know. <laughs> but I'm getting there. What about it? A 20, a decade ago. I never thought I would be a 23. All the birds spontaneous combustion was with me. But I guess it all goes with the territory. It's so funny that he's like. You've been so much differently. Brandon Boyd being like pretty much a model. He's one of the most. He looks like Jeremiah. Ever. Yeah, uh, he looks like Jeremiah. He does. Doesn't he? Oh, wait, Jeremiah looks like a hot actor guy. Yeah. And he was an aspiring actor when mm-hmm. we found him. And I can't help but think we may have ruined his career. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'll do, he's going to have like a McConaughey onset. We got point. him right before he hit. Mm-hmm. But like the guy, the lead for Masters of the Air, the guy opposite Austin Butler who plays Austin Butler's bestie, mm-hmm. looks just like That's Jerry. Crazy. I could see Jeremiah in like uh, Severance. Severance, yeah. Being like a little office peon. And you're like, yeah. who's that guy? I've never seen that guy who's before. That? And you're like, who's guy. that? That guy's hot. Yeah, you look at his IMDb and you're like, "Oh shit, he's on his way yeah. up." There is a guy in the new Halloween movie that looks exactly like Michael Myers. No, Bra- uh, By- Brandon. <laughs> I call him Brandon Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah, uh, he looks very much like him. It's what's crazy. that? What's that called? Doppelganger. Halloween. <laughs> Halloween ends. Halloween ends. Yeah. Here yeah. we go. Rohan Campbell. Rohan. His name's Rohan, Rohan dude. Oh my God! Yo, he looks like chair with fillers. Yeah, <laughs> with a buccal fat. Uh, yeah, procedure. that looks like a lot like Jer. Yeah, it looks like someone made a Jeremiah mask. Oh my God! Oh, which is what they would which do in the Halloween do in Halloween. Rob Zombie, call me. <laughs> that one specifically. Yeah, like that's, that's Jeremiah with an extra. Chromosome. Rohan Campbell, dude. A bit so much differently. Well, let's talk about some better. things that they it's better. Some crashes that they wish may have gone differently with the Macau Grand Prix. Okay, the Macau Grand Prix, <laughs> a thrilling spectacle on the global <laughs> motorsport. I've noticed our eye lines are too low yeah. in this show. I feel like I I hunch over to get. Yeah, we need to like. Sorry. The Macau Grand Prix, a oh, thrilling spectacle on a global motorsport stage, stands as the beacon, and then, uh, Gavin, go in with AI and make me make eye contact with... <laughs> Does that look cooler? More natural? Do I look like Jon Stewart now? <laughs> I'm trying to go for Daily Show. Do you want, like, a shoebox to put it on? That's good. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> better <laughs> the Macau Grand Prix a thrilling spectacle 
That's you got the dirtiest apple box. <laughs> <laughs> the Macau Grand Prix, a thrilling spectacle on the global motorsports stage, stands as a beacon of adrenaline-fueled excitement and unparalleled racing prowess. We can trace its origins back to the early 1950s. China was in the midst of a social and political revolution after the conclusion of World War II and the beginning of the Korean War. Tucked away in China's southwestern corner of the Zhu River, an enigmatic peninsula city known as Macau was searching for a way to increase their revenue through tourism. Meanwhile, three young members of the Hong Kong Motor Sports Club, Fernando Macedo Pinto, Carlos da Silva, and Paulo Antas, yes, members of the Hong Kong Motor Sports Club, <laughs> wanted to create a thrilling racing spectacle on the challenging streets of their city. The goal was to elevate their club and cultivate a wider passion for racing in Macau. Fernando Macedo Pinto pitched an idea of a, quote, treasure hunt car race, which did not initially capture the approval of Macau organizers. So then the trio went back to the drawing board. At the time, there were only about 300 cars within the city, so the race would have to be exciting enough to entice competitors, but not so ambitious that it required tons of racers. Inspired by their passion, head of the Hong Kong Motorsports Club, Paul Dutois, stepped in. He changed their idea from a treasure hunt style race. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Uh, unpack that. What does that mean? That sounds like a good video. Is that like kind of a rally thing where you like have stops and you have to do it seems, stuff? It seems like, like, it, a, yeah. uh, like a, um, what's that skateboard thing? King of the Road? King of the Road. Sounds kind of like King of the Road. Yeah. Guys, we should come up with a treasure hunt style race and make a video about it. That'd be mm -hmm. so fun. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Write it down. Let's do it after this. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. I'll sure. set a meaning. What do you say? Done. You, nice. <laughs> All right. After this, guys, we're going to. Come up with a treasure hunt style race and make a video about it. If you want to see it, check out our YouTube channel, Donut Media. All right, back to the story. He changed their idea from a treasure hunt style race, which is, as we, I think we all agree, a sick idea, uh, into a Grand Prix, which is, you know, smarter. <laughs> Drawing heavy inspiration from the Monaco F1 street circuit. Seeing this as a potential money-making opportunity, the city agreed to do it. With that, the amateur McCall Grand Prix was born. On the final two days of October 1954, the first ever McCall Grand Prix began. Starting at the Mandarin Oriental Hotel, 15 barely legal amateur racers <laughs> lined up. <laughs> Eager to so are navigate. They 18 or they just don't have their licenses? Uh, I don't know. E Chloe didn't say. <laughs> Eager to navigate the tight streets of Macau through a path that would become known as the Gia Circuit, a four hour race with 51 laps. It was an incredibly ambitious undertaking. Curious spectators gathered on the street, and the organizers of the race waited with bated breath, wondering if the amateur racers would be able to deliver. You're just trying to get to work that morning, and you're like, what the yeah. f*** what the is, this? is this? There's only 300 cars here. We're racing them now? <laughs> There's no such thing as traffic here. <laughs> but there was no reason to worry. With unparalleled skill and precision, Portuguese driver Eduardo Eddie 
for short, Cavallo had a masterful performance that left spectators in awe. As the checkered flag waved in the air, Cavallo's adrenaline-fueled journey to the top culminated in a well-deserved celebration. The first Macau Grand Prix win not only solidified Cavallo's position as a formidable force in the racing world, but etched his name into the annals of Macau's motorsport legacy. Fernando, Carlos, Paolo, and Paul, which is English for Paolo, <laughs> could hardly believe it. They had done it, pulled it off, a street race in a town with only 300 cars on the road. <laughs> when all was said and done, Fernando turned to his friend Carlos and remarked, it is the first and last race that we will organize because they will never allow us to run a race of this kind again. Fortunately for motorsport fans around the world, that dumb shit couldn't have been more <laughs> Dude, this is actually crazy when you think about the context of, like, China at the time. It's a yeah. very communist country. Yeah. They're only a couple of years before, like, the Great Leap Forward, which, like, killed a bunch of people. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. to have done this. Why did these guys wild. all have Spanish names? Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. When, you, when I typed in, when I started to type in Macau, it uh, autocorrected to Macaulay Culkin. Oh, just got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the the bystanders were doing. They're going, ah, <laughs> ah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get right back to it, but first, a few commercials. Big thank you to Subaru for sponsoring this episode. For anyone who believes that life is about the journey, not the destination, discover the 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness. Adventure is a big part of an active lifestyle, but sometimes you gotta push it to the edge. The Subaru Crosstrek has always appealed to the adventure seekers with its legendary standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. But now, the Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness goes even further. An enhanced dual-function X-Mode combined with 9.3 inches of ground clearance gives increased capability. Tough new off-road wheels with all-terrain tires designed for even more daunting trails. This trusty Subaru is built to take you to the limit, and yet its retuned standard EyeSight driver assist technology is there to watch over you. Bold accent colors and new rugged exterior houses its equally durable water-repellent StarTex seats in a surprisingly spacious cabin. When I saw Subaru first introduce their wilderness line, I was like, when are they gonna do the Crosstrek? And now since it's been revealed, dude, this thing looks dope. Give it a look. This thing is super versatile and capable. It's at home, on the road, or out in the bush, helping you with your camping trip. The Wilderness is the top of the Crosstrek range. You're not going to be able to buy a more capable Crosstrek from the dealer. you got to go with the Wilderness. Discover the Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness, the newest member of Subaru's Wilderness family. Adventure on the edge. Learn more at Subaru.com. EyeSight is a driver assist system that may not operate optimally under all driving conditions. The driver is responsible for safe and attentive driving. System effectiveness depends on many factors. See your owner's manual. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, 
answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Big thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Past Gas. A common misconception about relationships is that they always have to be easy or quote-unquote right. But sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether it's with friends, work, or your significant other. BetterHelp, in my mind, is the best way to get into therapy if you've never done it before. They make it so freaking easy. All you do is fill out this little survey that helps you match with a therapist that can help you out. If you don't like them, you switch to a new therapist. I think it's a great system. Best part about BetterHelp, it's entirely online, so you don't have to go into an office. If you want to give therapy a try, become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash PassGas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash PassGas. Big thanks to Indeed for sponsoring this episode of Past Gas. We are driven by a search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. I've done hiring in the past for Donut, and it is a pain in the butt. But if I had a tool like Indeed when I was doing hiring, it would have made things so much easier. Just their matching function is super robust. So join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash PassGas. Just go to Indeed.com slash PassGas right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash PassGas. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Over the following decade, word spread that the drivers of Macau knew how to put on a show. This not only attracted a larger audience, but inspired a more diverse group of drivers from neighboring areas to sign up. In 1966, the trajectory of the Macau Grand Prix was changed forever when Mauro Bianchi, grandfather of late F1 driver Jules Bianchi. Is he the bicycle guy? There's probably some relation there. Mm. Uh, He was an F3 driver for Alpine. He entered the race and won, and this breathed new life into the circuit and got the attention of other professional racers who wanted a name for themselves. Macau was no longer a hidden gem. It was now a major professional event. How hard would it be to get into F3? Uh, these days, probably really expensive still. I'm beyond, yeah. I was going to say, beyond the money. How hard, like if Jer you, wanted to be an F3 driver and we could get him the money. I think you probably, I think that's a series you could probably still yeah. get into. Is, Let's what, get Jer in F3. We've got to get him a long car. <laughs> He'd probably be the tallest yeah, guy out there for sure. Yeah. We should all do, instead of Formula 3, we should all do Formula Formula V. Because that's that? super easy to get into. It's it's uh, VW engines, mm-hmm. 
and um, it's still open wheel racers racers they only get up to like 110 or something mm-hmm. but i think we could all do it and it wouldn't Ryan be super Turk expensive does it from time to time Turk oh, does it cool. like, why can't we do it why can't we do oh because he's a really good driver yeah mm-hmm. that's true as the event rapidly gained popularity you and Turk are exactly the same age exactly same birthday no oh I guess that's what exactly means. Yeah. I could understand why you'd think that after I said that. Me, Turk, Lewis Hamilton, LeBron. It's a great year for icons. Yeah. <laughs> As the event rapidly gained popularity, Macau modernized and created a unique race structure. Okay, Taking place typically on the third weekend of November, the Macau Grand Prix usually spans several days with practice sessions, qualifying sessions, and support races leading up to the uh, main events in each category. They also don't run the same exact number of races every year. It kind of just depends on what they're feeling that year. Uh, the Macau Grand Prix hosts multiple categories of racers, okay, with categories being added or tweaked throughout the years. For example, motorcycles were permitted in 1967. To race with the cars? Uh, no. no, probably a uh, different class. Because I would like to see that. That'd be crazy. Currently, the Grand Prix schedule includes Formula 3 cars, With GT Jer. cars, motorcycles still, and touring cars. The variety of the lineup contributes to the event's appeal. It's like Bonnaroo. It's like Lollapalooza. Yeah. It's like Coachella. It's like Coachella. You got your motorcycles, which is like Danger Mouse. Then you got your touring cars, which is like Diplo. Then you got your Formula 3 cars, which is like Dua Lipa. Mm-hmm. Dua Lipa. And then your GT cars, which are like a Sizz- SZA. SZA. And because of this wide range of uh, racing, it it attracts all different kinds of fans to the Casino City. Casino City. But what sets Macau apart from other races isn't the humble beginnings or the scenic surroundings, guys. It's the eccentric feel of Macau, often referred to as, quote, the Las Vegas of the East. The Macau Grand Prix brings with it a rich history of danger and difficulties, utilizing a street course unlike any other, the Gia Circuit itself. Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. The Gia Circuit is a temporary track set up specifically for the Grand Prix event. It's like Long Beach or Monaco. Yeah, a Grand Prix. Set it up in the streets, a lot of cones and... (laughs) A lot of barriers. Barriers. Jersey barriers. Jersey Jersey barriers. Nestled amidst the city's skyline, the 3.8-mile-long Gia Circuit is a captivating blend of tight quarters, fast straights, and unforgiving barriers, making it not only thrilling, but unforgiving. Just like me. (laughs) I'm fun, but don't cross me. Because an elephant never forgets. You forget that you tell me stuff all the time. Do I? Yeah. <laughs> An elephant's my favorite animal. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It was my great grandma's favorite. And she had Whoa, all these Whoa, what if I'm your great grandma? Oh my God. You were born the same year too. Whoa. <laughs> what if I'm your great grandma reincarnated? That'd be great. Do you have any like elephants at your house? No. Oh, you gotta get little tchotchkes. They're illegal, dude. There's no way. No, little, little elephants. Oh, I don't have any Like tchotchkes. spy kids? <laughs> That'd be sick. I would love a little elephant. That would be sick. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like fighting with your dog <laughs> for sure. It's like Play tiny, fighting. but it's still like three hundred fifty pounds. Yeah, and it's yeah. like 
it like falls on and you and you like, get off the your bed. Legs. You can't get it off the bed. It's too <laughs> yeah. big. It's too heavy. Yeah. It's too coat. It's cute. It's yeah, too it's cozy. like making you really hot, but you don't wanna. Yeah, like it has. It doesn't have up. fur, so it just has like hot, clammy skin. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, get away. I don't from think me. they can sweat. I know that's why they roll around in the mud. Yeah, but it wouldn't be clammy. It'd be weird feeling. Oh yeah, like yeah. it'd be yeah. like your elbow. Yeah, yeah, it would be <laughs> elbow skin, but like gray. Your weenus. It'd be your like weenus. your weenus. It'd be like a dry weenus. That's why they roll around in the mud. <laughs> have to moisturize my elephant. Get him some coconut oil. Just lather oil. him up. Lather Put him in some him of that. Uh, He's that basically peels. a giant weenus. I gotta go moisturize my. Elephant. <laughs> Get Keels to sponsor my yeah. elephant. Yeah, just <laughs> lather him up. <laughs> my elephant is sponsored by Sarah V. And now you can't get him because he's too slippery. He's too slippery. Yeah. I gotta get him in the car, but he's too Come slippery. On, get over here. I gotta take him to the park. He's got a play date. <laughs> Okay. You gotta take him to the circus to see his mom. <laughs> That's sad now. I know. Yeah. yeah. He's all bummed about it. Notable <laughs> sections of the circuit include the tight Melko hairpin, the fast and sweeping Moorish Hill, and the renowned Lisboa Bend. Lisboa, dude. The Portugal, re- dude. And the renowned oh. Lisboa Bend. Is that I how you sh- pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Oh. A tight right-hander that leads into a challenging downhill section. Scary. The circuit's highlight is the iconic Gia Hills section. Hills are scary. They totally change the weight dynamics of a car. I'm about to go to Streets of Willow, and I'm dreading that over oh, yeah. over the yeah. top, out of the back bowl. Uh-huh. I keep, uh, like, my friend has never gone to a track day Why before. are you going to Streets of Willow? For just fun? Yeah, we want. We, it's a track day. When? February tenth. You want to go? I'm going on the fifteenth. Oh, really? Oh, for a shooting for work. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe I'll go practice. Yeah. The circuit highlight is the iconic Gia Hill section, <laughs> which offers a spectacular view of the city, flanked by a sea of casinos, hotels, nightclubs, and bars. Its unique and convoluted setup makes it one of the most dangerous tracks in motorsport, requiring a delicate balance of speed and control. On top of that, the track has been described as a labyrinth, referring to its narrow and winding roads that paired with the closeness of the black and neon yellow barriers could easily disorient a driver. This has led to countless accidents. Looking online, It's not hard to find dozens, if not hundreds, if not literal billions of crash (laughs) compilation videos. I'm watching a, a, like a in-car view of it right now. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, there's just all these black and yellow stripes all along. I don't know. That seems pretty disorienting. Yeah. It's because Wiz Khalifa designed it. This is the hill section right here. So we're coming up into the city. Yeah. Pretty tight, dude. So tight. And then you're coming down. And down to the... Uh, Taylor Gang Hill. Mm-hmm. Taylor Gang Hill. <laughs> yeah. But pretty cool. I mean, the first half, the section you guys didn't see is just pretty is wide open skinny, city streets. Skinny, but then skinny. it gets up into these hills skinny. here around these uh, high looks, rise apartments. It's it's honestly just like China's Monaco. It kind of looks very like LA. Monaco-ish. It looks like the like the Hollywood Hills. It does. Yeah. Don't it? Oh, there's it Rick does. Rubin's house. Hey, there's Rick Rubin's house. There's Griffith Park. And hey. now we're going down the hill. Down the hill. Um, that's fun. Pretty interesting course. But look how narrow that is. That's, that's, only so two, that's a two-lane road. That's made skinny, for little cars. Lanes. And then yeah, it that's up. an open-wheeled car and it's that tight. Yeah. That car so, is little. 
The perilousness of the track has led to several crashes and injuries since the beginning, but the 1967 GP fully demonstrated just how hazardous the track could be. Uh 35-year-old Arsenio Doji Hidalgo Laurel was one of the many hopefuls who competed in the race that year. Though he was a lawyer by profession, Doji had earned and Doji Cat. Doji had earned (laughs) the respect of the racing community as one of the first people to organize motor racing in the Philippines, competing on the Oval at the Santa Ana Hippodrome in Manila and securing two previous Macau Grand Prix victories. The youngest son of Jose P. Laurel, the former president of the Philippines, Doji was eager to establish himself as a Macau legend. You see, Hunter Biden, this <laughs> is what the son of a president should be doing. Racing cars Take in the China. Lead of Doji. Yeah, Hunter Biden. Yeah, Don <laughs> Jr., you wimps. Race some cars, you Don Jr. versus Hunter Biden would be a celebrity death match. I I honestly don't even know what Hunter Biden looks like. Uh, He looks like Max Payne. He kind of does. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Follow the money. (laughs) But during the third lap, the skilled driver lost control and spun out. In a courageous split-second decision, he chose to direct his Lotus 41 into the seaside wall of the circuit rather than careening into the crowd of spectators. As the Lotus hit the wall, it burst into flames and tragically, Arsenio Doji Laurel was killed. To this day, a corner of the Macau Grand Prix Museum is dedicated in his memory and includes the Lotus 22 Ford that won him the 1962 and 1963 races. Nice. R.I.P., our first death of the episode. Rip. In 1983, with the 30th anniversary of the race upon them, Organizers of the event were looking for a way to revamp, okay? A little reinvention, a little self-improvement. Yeah. Over the years, their rules and racing categories had gone through several iterations. For example, the first Macau Grand Prix was raced in sports cars. Then in the 60s, they moved into Formula Libre or Free Formula, a sort of create-your-own-race-car style that encouraged a mix of personal builds and production cars like the Alpine Renault T66, the Brabham BT23C Ford, and the McLaren M4C. That's like Le Mans. Like Le Mans has all kinds of that's different true. classes racing but now, at the same Yeah, time. that's true. But now we're on a street circuit. We're on a street circuit that's narrow AF. Yes. Yeah. I'm looking at the A210, which is just making my chud hard. It's <laughs> your chud or your chud? My taint. <laughs> He's rock hard. <laughs> that is pretty cool, though. Yeah. My taint is bunged up, dude. My taint is straight chomping it's at the ball. Stra- straight up. I gotta, uh, I gotta moisturize my, my taint. <laughs> my butthole's hitting the bong on this one. <laughs> That's a unique looking car. In 1973, they switched to Formula Pacific. What is that? It's I don't know. It's specifically... Uh, a formula to this Pacific Basin countries like Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and Japan. This was a single-seat, uh, open-wheel car, four-cylinder engines under 1,600 cc's. With concerns that this was limiting their expansion, though, they decided to feature Formula 3 cars. And this was sanctioned by the FIA as the F3 World Cup title race. 
This marked the turning point in the history of the race, further elevating its status and turning it into a stepping stone towards racing stardom. So it went from like, okay, we're a regional race. We do cool stuff. Now we're part of the FIA championship here. That's yeah. sick. Then in 1983, a little guy named Ayrton Senna participated in the Macau Grand Prix. Senna's performance was nothing short of spectacular as he navigated the tight and demanding street circuit with unmatched precision and speed. That doesn't surprise me because he was good at Monaco, right? Mm -hmm. He was. Even in the intense competition of Macau, Senna's skill and charisma shone through, foreshadowing the greatness that would come to define his career. He became the first driver to win the Grand Prix with its new Formula 3 format. And not long after his performance in Macau, he was recruited to Formula One. Oh, I didn't realize that was like the last race he did before. But that day wasn't only about the race. Macau also provided an opportunity for drivers from all over the world to connect and forge lifelong connections. Driver Gerhard Berger recalls the beginning of a lifelong friendship with competitor Ayrton Senna at the 83 Grand Prix. In error, Berger had received the award for the fastest lap time, a record that had actually been set. By oh, Senna. Mm-hmm. That evening at a party, Senna confronted Berger about the error, and Berger, having been so blown away by his competitor's performance, agreed to hand over the trophy. Quote, I still watch the results of it, because any guy who wins in their first time there has to have something special. If a driver is quick at McCall at his first time, then great. If they win it after five attempts, forget it. But if a guy goes first time to Macau and is quick and doesn't have any material advantage, then that means a lot for me. And that was the first time that I had a beer with Ayrton that evening somewhere in Macau. Just for reference, Gerhard Berger is an Austrian man. That's the Austrian accent. Yeah. I just watched Band of Brothers. I know how they sound. (laughs) The Macau Grand Prix had officially become a launching pad for many young and talented drivers. The complicated setup of the event and the grandeur of the track itself pushed drivers to prove their skill. Winning or performing well at Macau often attracted attention from motorsport scouts and teams, providing a stepping stone for drivers to move up to higher levels of competition, including F1. This reputation elevated Macau to a make-it-or-break-it race for many drivers and created an element of exclusivity with only 23 to 28 participants, motorcyclists, and open-wheel racers invited to participate each year. In 1990, Michael Schumacher was neck-and-neck with Mika Hakkinen, and when the two collided, it sent Hakkinen into the wall. Despite missing the back wing of his car, Schumacher took the win that day. This ignited the rivalry between the two that would last for years. Five years later, Michael's little brother, Ralph, also claimed victory at the Grand Prix and was one of the only drivers to escape a massive pileup in the first lap that wiped out most of the competition. That's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Wipe the field. That's Wipe the field. Crash the field, what? baby. <laughs> Touring with AFI and <laughs> Hawthorne Heights. The Macau Grand Prix to F1 pipeline doesn't stop there, though. Many drivers throughout history have honed their skills as an F3 driver at Macau, before stepping into an F1 role. This lineup includes David Couthard, who went on to drive for both McLaren and Red Bull. Lewis Hamilton went there. And even a 17-year-old Max Verstappen. Wow. Not even barely legal. (laughs) Not even. 
In 2008, the GT Cup was added to the Macau GP roster with Canadian-born driver Daryl O'Young as the inaugural victor. The Grand Touring Cup became a highlight on the motorsport calendar, drawing enthusiasts and spectators from around the world. The event served as a proving ground for cutting-edge automotive technology, allowing the now 54-year-old race to adapt to the modern era. This transformed into the FIA GT World Cup in 2015, meant to showcase GT3, with the winner of the GT World Cup being crowned as the overall victor of the Macau GP. They also awarded the manufacturers, giving the race a similar format to Formula One. True to form, the FIA GT World Cup has resulted in a ton of iconic moments including a race in 2016 when a victor was crowned after a mere four-lap run. <laughs> what? As Audi's Lorenz Van Thor... <laughs> hey, that's a nice van. What's that Van Thor? <laughs> Look at that next name, too. That's a good one. As Audi's Lorenz Van Thor tried to pass competitor Earl Bamber... Earl Bamber. <laughs> that sounds Earl like Bamber. you're plucking a banjo. <laughs> Earl Bamber. He overshot, running into a barrier. In an acrobatic twist, Van Thor's car overturned, but the car kept moving, skidding across the track on its roof before coming to an abrupt halt. Oh, this is what we just watched. Yeah. With minimum time to reset, the race was abandoned and first place was awarded to a very confused and slightly embarrassed Lawrence Van Thor <laughs> as he emerged from his upside-down car. From total chaos to a surprise victory... Van Thor's historic flip is an example of unmatched entertainment and pure luck. But in the fast-paced arena of the Macau GP, not everyone is so lucky. The challenging nature of the Gia circuit makes the Macau Grand Prix an ideal testing ground for teams and manufacturers. It allows them to assess the performance of their vehicles and drivers under demanding conditions and contribute to the development of their racing technology. But these demanding conditions came at a cost. And over the course of its 70-year history, there have been 17 lives lost as a result of the Grand Prix, from motorcyclists and drivers to spectators and an official. Though other races have a history of loss attached to them as well, as we've very well documented on this show. Yeah. Macau, Too much, maybe. Yeah. Too much. Maybe we got to go get some better help. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, Macau, better help in Blue Chew. <laughs> it's Friday, baby. <laughs> What's blue chew? Viagra like, gum. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to call my therapist and get a rager. Yeah. <laughs> Friday, baby. Better help pipe. and blue chew. Better help, blue chew, and chocolate milk. Mm, <laughs> that's a Friday, baby. Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I got a DiGiorno. <laughs> I got a DiGiorno, a better help appointment, and a... Blue Chew. It's a bag of Blue Chew. <laughs> a bag of Blue Chew. I got a BetterHelp appointment, DiGiorno, a pint of chocolate milk, and a bag of Blue Chew. A pint Chews. of chocolate milk? Yeah, it's Friday, <laughs> baby. Hey, James, that really gives new meaning to the uh, to stuffed crust pizza. Huh? Ah, ah, Whoa. <laughs> Yikes. Wow. Yucky. Don't let this guy near my pizza. Yucky. Ew, yuck. Ew, what is that? Garlic sauce? Yeah. Ew, yucky, Joe. Yucky, yucky. <laughs> Ew, yuck. Ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum. Okay. <laughs> this guy, this guy effed his I pizza. <laughs> and now time to pay the bills. 
Big thanks to Fume for sponsoring this episode of Past Gas. Listen, cold turkey make a great sandwich, but it's not a great way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some crazy mind tricks or, you know, weird holistic stuff. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume. They look at the problem in a different way. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong, so instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Fume comes in a bunch of different flavors like herbal tea. Start the year off right with a good habit by going to tryfume.com past and getting the journey back today. Fume is giving listeners of the show 10% off when they use my code PAST, P-A-S-T, to help make starting the good habit that much easier. Start the good habit at tryfume.com past to save 10% off the journey pack today. Uh, yeah, so Macau has earned its dangerous reputation as, and drawn criticism for their lackluster response to these tragedies. For example, November of 2012, when there were two deaths within two days. During qualifying, Portuguese uh, motorcycle rider Luis Carrera uh, suffered a fatal crash, and just a day later, during the open wheel qualifying, Philip Yao, a driver from Hong Kong, slammed his Chevrolet into one of the uh, track's barriers. After his rescue from the flaming car, Yao was taken to the hospital, where he eventually succumbed to his injuries. Later, at a press conference, Macau Grand Prix Committee Coordinator Joao Manuel Costa Antony said, quote, Unfortunately, it is not very pleasant to have two accidents in two days, but every track has challenges, and the track of Macau as a street circuit presents challenges that all the drivers have the opportunity to learn. I don't think there is any question about the track. Mm. In an interview with Reuters, one of Yao's dear friends, fellow racer Adderley Fong, Hell had yeah. a different take. Quote, it's like stepping into a coliseum with walls and grandstands. It's a gamble each time, like walking into a casino. You're taking chances and you don't know what the consequences will be. When you step into a racing car, everyone should be prepared for the worst. But you have to put it in the back of your mind because death is the only thing that causes fear. And when you have fear... You can't drive fast. It's All right. Like, that was Adderley Fong. <laughs> Great to have you. <laughs> it's like stepping into a Taco Bell. It's just like cheese and crashing everywhere. It's like the Coliseum and the Casino and the Taco Bell. Fong's and you're Taco eating Bell. blue chews. Eating and- blue chews. I got a stuffed crust pizza and a big old box of blue chews. A pint of chocolate. <laughs> a pint of Cream. chocolate milk. Fong's father was asked if he worried about his son's mortality on the track. His response was short but poignant. God gave us our son, and God will decide when to take him away. Oh, my God. What a weird guy. <laughs> yeah. What? I you have no feelings on my son's well-being. Yeah. Then, in 2018, German driver Sophia Flersch made contact with a fellow driver who's reportedly slowing for erroneously displayed yellow flags. This caused a front-left suspension failure and catapulted her car into the Lishbrow Bend sideways at a high speed. She then launched off driver Sho Suboy's car, 
through the catch fencing and smashed into a photographer's bunker, fracturing her spinal cord and injuring Suboy. Oh. Two photographers and a marshal who all recovered, thankfully. Though Sophia originally feared she would never race again, she has fortunately since recovered and currently drives in Formula 3. I've heard her nice. a lot. Erroneously displayed yellow flags. It's, they let Mr. Bean be a marshal. Oh. <laughs> this horrifying incident, coupled with the death of 31-year-old motorcyclist Daniel Haggerty the previous year, highlighted the need for safety reform in the Macau Grand Prix. The public had hit their breaking point, and the race had crossed over the line. While no race is without its risk, this was becoming way too common in the Macau Grand Prix. I mean, like we said, the only reason I know about this race is all the crash videos that I've seen online. Mm-hmm. These were real people with lives and families and futures stripped away far too soon. Not content to sit idly by, fans took to Twitter to express their concern about the hazardous nature of the race. Finally, Many critics highlighted the need for upgraded safety regulations. Quote, Remove Macau Grand Prix or invest hugely in safety of this circuit. That crash is quite easily the worst single-seater crash I've ever seen. Others question if the Gia circuit was becoming obsolete with tweets like, Surely Macau is too dangerous for open-wheeled cars. And, I can't help but feel that modern racing cars have outgrown the iconic circuit. <laughs> Some viewers even began to question the ethics behind letting such a dangerous race continue. Macau Grand Prix shouldn't be raced anymore. We've had two consecutive years with massive crashes, one fatal, one nearly fatal for multiple people. And Macau needs to be stopped. That track is just too (laughs) dangerous. In the midst of this crisis, providing a glimmer of hope and a spectacular display of strength and dedication, Sophia Flourish returned to race at the Macau Grand Prix only a year after her near-fatal flip. She competed again just this year with the Van Amersfoort racing team. Mm, Yeah, she got abs. She got casual abs. (laughs) She got casual abs. Yeah. Oh, holy shit. What? Watch the the crash, not that she has abs. You're like, like, all right, Nolan, chill out. Holy shit. Holy shit. No, but you guys got to see that. Oh, my God, dude. Come on. Whoa. It took off. Yeah. That's nuts. Following the Sophia Flourish incident, the FIA mandated changes to six different areas of the street circuit. The San Francisco Bend, Reservoir Bend, Mandarin Oriental Bend, Hmm. Lisbao Bend, Gia Hill Areas, and R Bend. This included relocating the photographer's box, enlarging the runoff area, and reprofiling the barriers at the Lisbao corner. They also implemented electronic flags to improve communication with the drivers and decided, hey, let's not hire Mr. Bean as a marshal anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And they incorporated safer barriers in the reservoir and Mandarin Oriental Bends, which absorb and reduce kinetic energy in the event of a crash. Uh, Use on uh, NASCAR. Oh, yeah. They also took away the title sponsor of the photographer's box, which was Target. Ah, the confusion. They just dabbed. dabbed. Despite the focus on driver safety, Macau is still a dangerous circuit. Just this year, Prima's Paul Aaron crashed through the Solitude S's portion of the circuit's crash barriers. His car ripped in half and burst into flames. Jesus. Fortunately, Aaron was able to escape from his car unaided and perfectly safe. The race ended under yellow flags, with all drivers recovering safely. 
and Luke Browning secured the win. Dang, dude. Despite its flaws, the Macau Grand Prix stands as a testament to the significance of motorsports on both a local and global scale. Its popularity has given a unique platform to bolster tourism and economic growth in its hometown of Macau. Every year, the event draws in drivers and spectators from all backgrounds, a diverse community who share a mutual love and passion for auto racing. This event serves as a powerful symbol of cultural exchange, fostering the growth of racing and serving as a unique training ground that shapes the future leaders of motorsport. The Macau Grand Prix is not merely a race. It is a celebration of the relentless pursuit of excellence in the world of motor racing. Wow. Well said, Chloe. Chloe killed it. She did. Every year, you know, Isle of Man happens and like Uh two people die every year. Yeah. This Macau thing... They got to figure it out. They got to figure it out. But it's also like there's other races where that kind of shit happens every year. And it's just kind of, it's a monument to the pursuit of speed, man. Yeah, nobody's forcing anyone to jump in it. And it's it's such an interesting course, too. Like, I I appreciate more dangerous courses if they're interesting Mm -hmm. and take a lot of technical skill to master. As opposed to like, the problem is that, like, you got a lot of these younger drivers and these F3 cars. That are really trying to prove themselves. That are, yeah, that are pr- trying to prove that exactly because it's like yeah. a springboard. They're pr- trying to prove themselves. They're, you know, I'm sure if it was like actual like veteran F1 drivers racing, it probably wouldn't be as dangerous because you just have more experience. Um, but yeah, it's just that that combination: inexperienced drivers, springboard effect, the glory of winning yeah, it, literal springboard, yeah, into the into F1. So I, I get it. it. Yeah, that too, Joe. All right, we got some listener mail this week. You want to read it, Joe? Sure. What up, Donut Media? <laughs> it's, it's your boy Jarvis, longtime listener, first time emailer here. Just timing in this to say how much. This is his first email ever sent, and he wow. decided to send it to us. I love it. Thank you. Just chiming in to say how much I appreciate that you featured Willie T. Ribs on the show. As a black man from the South, Texas, in my 30s, watching the documentary Uppity was so relatable to me. I had a childhood dream of being a race car driver, and I fulfilled that through sim racing, but growing up, I never saw people who looked like me in racing history. Until I discovered his story a few years ago, along with Wendell Scott, who you also covered. I'm also thankful that you continue to point out how recent this all was. People forget that Jim Crow only ended back in the mid-60s. A lot of those people are still alive, dog. (laughs) I have faced similar prejudices growing up for some of the things I liked, including my love for racing. Seeing him talk about this, how he stood up to all the bigotry and racism was so inspiring to me. If you don't want me to do that, then beat me. Is peak race trash talk, and I love that he did that. Love the podcast, love the channel, love real mechanic stuff. You guys are the real ones. Also love that Joe brought back the Wink Wink Nation shout out at the top of the show. Uh, Jarvis from Dallas, Texas. Thanks, Jarvis. Jarvis! Thank you so much for your email, Jarvis. We're going to keep Hell looking yeah, for yeah. more stories like this. If you'd like to send us an email, hit us up at passgas at donomedia.com. We'll read it on the air, maybe. Uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, shout out to Chloe Rodriguez for writing this episode. That's my fiance. Nice. <laughs> Wonder how she got the job. I was wondering if you were going to address Through that. merit, surely. <laughs> She that's, it was a great yeah, script. No, no. Tell she's, her, she's written for us before. Yeah. That's how you tell met. her she did yeah. great on this. I I did. I did when I was reading it. Did you give her notes? Was she receptive? I give her notes, yeah. Did, did she, she slap say, you? No. Did she slap you? No, I say, hey, I'm gonna, you know, it's like anything else. Did you sleep on the couch? 
no. No, I did not. Did you have to sleep in the car? That would be a major red flag if I had to sleep on the couch because I gave some notes on how to rewrite a sentence. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a major, major red flag. Uh-oh, no one's in the doghouse yeah. tonight. No one's in the doghouse It's here. like, I don't even have a dog. She bought me a doghouse to sleep in because yeah, I gave a, her notes. That was a sex thing. Yeah. It was, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, I'm stuck in the doghouse. I'm stuck in the doghouse. <laughs> They make some pretty big dog houses, just saying. They do. Big dogs. Okay, thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.